and we are live. Thank you guys for coming. Um, usually, I do these. I do podcasts on uh, on my podcast channel. I decided to do it on my main channel tonight for one reason or another. Every now and then, I like to do these things on my main channel. I think it's been about a year since I've done a live stream on my main channel, but uh, it's been far too long. So I actually brought my girlfriend with me, Rose. She is in the corner there. Actually, let me see if I can bring her up in the... There you go. There she is. Yeah, she's muted for the moment. I wanted to get into some things, uh, some some really interesting stuff for a little while. Had a lot to talk about. Uh, so let's start out with Jehovah's Witnesses, because there's some interesting court stuff going on with them right now. Let me see if I can share my screen with you guys. By the way, it, I will be answering all questions um, through Super Chats. If you guys want to send a Super Chat, Rose will be reading them off in a little while, and I will be answering them. Any questions? Um, there are some really sensitive subjects out there, so... If you guys want me to talk about them, then I will in the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Most democratic way possible. <laughs> All right. So let's, let me see if I can screen share real quick. Uh, let's see here. There we go. Okay. <clears throat> so you guys should see my screen. It's on Wikipedia, I believe, at this immediate moment. It's going to go through, it's going to start by going through this article. It's called Jehovah's Witnesses Overhaul Proselytizing Procedures in Response to EU Regulation. So I don't know if you guys heard about this or not, but basically Jehovah's Witnesses are being heavily affected by these privacy laws because, um, because the EU just passed these laws, basically barring them from like from recording information about people who they visit. So historically, they would go to people's houses, knock on their door, get their name, their uh, their gender and their whatever else, uh, how many people are there, how interested they are, so on and so forth. They'd write it down on a record. It's called house to house record. And they would uh, they'd hold on to it for their personal use, and they'd also send a copy into the society sometimes, into the Watchtower Society. In the EU, apparently, they were sending it to the society, which is a really big deal. Um, they're, they're maintaining people's personal information. Uh, so they basically got in a, in a lot of trouble for it. The EU passed privacy laws saying they're not allowed to anymore. So let me just take a look at this article, see if we can uh, figure out what it's all about. I was really hoping that the the letter was leaked and I can't find a copy of it. Anyway, <clears throat> in a letter dated May 13th, 2019, it was revealed that Jehovah's Witnesses made sweeping changes to the practice they're best known for, proselytizing. Addressing to all congregations in Britain and Ireland, the letter notes that witnesses are accustomed to collecting personal data on the recipients of, of their teachings. However, in the next paragraph, proselytizing witnesses or publishers are directed to not collect personal data in connection with the field ministry. The letter and its Spanish and Irish translations have been published by Truth and Transparency, I'm sorry, Truth and Transparency Foundation, TTF. 
They come in response to recent court decisions and the enactment of the General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR. That's the, I believe that's the name of the EU law that was passed preventing them from recording personal information. A far-reaching law in the European Union dictating what data organizations can collect and retain in European citizens. There you go. The referenced court decision likely refers to the decision from the Court of the Justice of the European Union in Luxembourg in July 2018. As reported by Reuters, the court ruled that the religious institution must also comply with European privacy laws in regards to their door-to-door data collection. When asked why the cessation of the collection of this data was significant, a self-described faded XJW, quote-unquote, Jan, said that the way Jehovah's Witnesses preach is what defines them as as a religious organization, and therefore the implications of the change are huge. Jan asked that his full name not be published. Oh, it's a dude, okay, that his full name not be published. Interesting. We were always told to report if we found someone in the territory that spoke another language, were from a different ethnic group, were deaf, etc. He continued. All this so they could be reached with our preaching from those who could speak their language, new sign language, and so on. Yeah, that's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, goes on to say, but the letters explicitly prohibit such behavior, now stating that a person's name, address, language, ethnicity, and so forth are not to be recorded. As recently as February uh, 2014, publishers were publicly instructed to have tools in your witnessing case for recording interest and to make records neat, well-organized, and up-to-date. Jan recognizes that it may seem trivial for an outsider, but that Jehovah's Witnesses see secular laws such as GDPR as Satan's system of things. That's very true. I heard that phrase all the time. Oh my God, Satan's system of things. It's so cringy. In April 2018, the TTF also published 10 other documents inspired by GDPR, including a form which publishers signed signifying their consent to the use of their personal data in order to participate in some religious activities and receive spiritual support. The form also acknowledges that their data may be shared with organizations outside of their home country. The changes in procedure mandated in the most recent letters do appear to only apply to countries within the European Union. The same letter was sent to all congregations in Zimbabwe, only to be retracted two days later. It's an interesting case, and I actually talked about it on my podcast the other day, maybe a week ago or something. It's, I, I feel like it's a good thing. I, you know, I would rather not have my personal information out there or more in more places than it needs to be. For the most part, I don't think that's super great. And Jehovah's Witnesses collecting that stuff and passing it around is is not good, I don't think. Although on the other hand, like when my personal data is collected by, say, Facebook or any other just standard internet company, it is usually sold off to advertisers, my name and address and interests and all that. Jehovah's Witnesses aren't doing that. They're not selling the information as far as I can tell. They, they don't believe in taking part in anything to do with the world. So that is something. Anyway, I thought that was kind of an interesting article. Uh, there were a couple of articles I wanted to get to. But before I do, um, Rose, do you want to give me some questions? Did we happen to get any super chats or anything like that? We, ha- 
We have a couple super chats here. Um, Federal Bureau of Investigation wants to know, what's your opinion on the Foursquare Church? The Foursquare Church? I don't actually know of that. Uh, let me see here. Foursquare Church. Let me just look it up real quick. The Foursquare Church. Um, church reimagined. Okay, fascinating. It started as a revival and became a global church. Where we've been, where we're going, how you can join. Huh. I don't know anything about it. It seems kind of interesting. I may have to take a closer look at this. It's uh, is it a cult? Is it cult-like? Have you noticed any of that? Let me know in the comments. Um, Federal Bureau of in Investigation. Anyway, do you have another super chat? Yeah. Um, Panda Corner Rise wants to know how do you not freak out when you're watching Caleb and Sophia videos? Uh, <laughs> I've seen them enough now that I. I manage it. I do my best. Um, it's not great, but I know that by addressing this stuff in the first place, I feel like I'm doing some good, maybe counteracting the bad that Caleb and Sophia is doing. So it gives me some consolation that some people are hearing my video instead of watching their unedited BS. That's something at least. Did you have another? Um, this one isn't a question so much as a comment, but Yomari Iniestra, I think I'm pronouncing that right, um, wants to tell you to keep up the good work. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, most YouTubers who do live streams and take super chats and things like that, they have to struggle to pronounce the names and they feel obligated to pronounce them correctly because these people are supporting them. So I'm glad that you have that burden and responsibility <laughs> this time and not me, but let oh, me well, just try anyways. Hard. I'll try it. It's Yomari uh, Iniestra, it seems to me. that's That looks right to me. Okay, that, that's what I was thinking. But um, if I'm wrong, please let me know. Um, then there's a couple more that um, came through. Um, it's mm -hmm. not super chats, but it, it's re just regular questions. Okay. So given the choice between JWs or Mormons, if you had to be a part of one, which would you choose? If I had to be either Jehovah's Witness or Mormon, then which would it be? Um, I think that Mormonism, uh, that's hard. I, Mormonism is less closed off to the world than Jehovah's Witnesses are, I think, although they're larger. So some may argue that they may be a little bit more harmful. I think that in order of harmfulness, I would probably say Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, myself. But because they're not as closed off to the world, then maybe not as closed off to the world, then maybe Mormonism. Okay. And then also, what is your favorite milkshake? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I like banana. Banana is pretty good. Um, actually, speaking of milkshakes, let me just, I'm going to switch back to my screen share real quick. Let me just address this article that I was looking at earlier. We'll take a look at it and we'll get back to questions in a minute. Um, <clears throat> so for those of you who don't know, which actually many of you may not know this, there's this whole milkshake incident going on right now. Let me just read some of this article for you guys. I'm not going to read the whole thing, I don't think. I'll just give you the highlights here. 
Until recently, an egg tended to be the object of choice for protesters hoping to splatter a politician's clothing with a sticky mess and cause embarrassment without any serious injury. Now, in several protests against uh, rightist politicians in Britain, activists have found a new foodstuff to use as ammunition, milkshakes. On Tuesday, a man was charged with assault and criminal damage after he threw a milkshake at Nigel Farage, one of Britain's most prominent and divisive Brexit leaders in the latest in a string of similar episodes. So many of you may not know this, but Sargon of Akkad, Carl Benjamin, he was running for political office in the UK under the UKIP party, which is, uh, from my understanding, now I don't know anything about UK politics, so this could be completely wrong. Don't blame me if it is, but I think that UKIP is the right-wing extremist political party. That's my understanding of it. Uh, it's not the right-wing party. It's the right-wing extremist party, from my understanding. Um, and Nigel Farage was the leader of it for a while, and then he left to create the Brexit party, I think. Um, well, anyways, Sargon of Akkad, Carl Benjamin, he was running under the UKIP party, and lots of other people were running along with him. Count Dankula was one of them, and some other people. Um, and lots of right-wing extremists were milkshaked. They had milkshakes thrown at them on the campaign trail. And Sargon actually had fish thrown at him at one point. <clears throat> now, this is a really divisive and complicated issue. And, and a lot of people don't know where to sit on it or where I sit. And up to this point, I have not given a clear opinion on how I feel about it. But I guarantee most of the people who watch my channel already know how I feel. So what about what about you, Rose? How do you feel about the whole milkshaking thing? And then I'll give my opinion on it. Okay. Oh, so you're putting the pressure on me first. Yes. I see how it is. Okay. Um, I personally don't agree with it. And here's why. I feel like as innocent as just throwing a milkshake might seem, ultimately that is an act of violence even if it's just a, a mild one like throwing a, some water at somebody or what have you but when you do any kind of a violent act all that's going to happen is that someone is going to see that and then take it a step further so maybe someone on the far right is going to see this and say oh well they threw milkshakes at us so that means we can throw it back at them or throw mayo at them or, you know, and just keep perpetuating the cycle of violence. And it's really hard to stop that once it actually gets started. And I feel like it just coarsens the entire level of political discourse when you're showing your objection to somebody through throwing anything at them, even if it's just yeah. a milkshake. I think somebody said to me on Twitter earlier something like, we should keep things on a civil discourse level. Um, when we start throwing each uh, throwing things at each other, we're no better than just primates throwing things at each other. Almost right. like drew that that distinction. I thought it was interesting. So I'll give you my opinion on it. Um, I am so anti-violence. Uh, it should be like the last resort. Like you should do. You should do everything in your power to avoid violence 
until you absolutely can't anymore. For example, um, if you if somebody breaks into your house at night and they attack you, you should be able to use violence to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. But the swing of your fist, the, your right to swing your fist ends at the tip of my nose. And I basically live by that. So that's my opinion on it. I feel like we should really think about uh, these people are getting arrested. They're going to prison right now. The people because it's legally considered violence, whether you like it or not. It's violence. I know people like to argue over whether or not that's the right word for it. It is violence, legally speaking. So anyway, um, that's that's kind of that's my opinion on the whole situation and why I I do not stand for the milkshaking thing. I know it, it probably feels good, but it's the wrong way to go about convincing people otherwise and and i know sargon lost the election but that is not proof that milkshaking is what made him lose that's not even, proof of it. oh sorry go ahead um, e- even if the milkshaking is part of what caused him to lose i think that a question that needs to be asked is it do the ends justify the means so if the end result of throwing a milkshake is that Sargon um, wasn't elected. Is Does that mean that it's justifiable to commit that violence in order to make sure he doesn't get elected? Um, so just because it, see, it's, it may be proven effective for some people doesn't mean it's the most moral option, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you don't have the moral high ground if you're throwing things at people. Bottom line, you do not have the moral high ground. I mean, you can say that you think that it accomplishes something, but you don't have the moral high ground with it. And actually, I don't think I'm ready to grant that it's it's productive. Um, I haven't seen any evidence that it's pr- productive, so I'm not even going to grant it tentatively. I'll just say it's you know, I, I need to see that there's proof of that. Uh, I've seen a lot of people, I, I don't name drop, not going to name drop. Come on, Telltale, get it together. <laughs> You're not going to name drop here. I've seen a lot of people saying uh, lately that the milkshaking situation worked and they know that because Sargon lost. You do not know that it did, you don't know if it did harm or good. You cannot say that with any certainty at all. The guy got three, the guy was polling at 3% and he got 3.2% of the votes, 50,000. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and ultimately it just comes down to, it's funny to see, but if you are the ones who are trying to say like, okay, it's not okay for other people to, you know, perpetuate violence. It's not okay for the far right to do anything that's violent. Why then do you cheer on somebody who is having a violent act committed against them just because you don't agree with them? Yeah. It's a little bit hypocritical in some ways. It is. And I've actually seen people say that, not going to name drop. Um, I've seen (laughs) people say this, though. They've said, of course I would get upset if, a progressive, honest person got a milkshake thrown at them because that's not, that's wrong. First, I mean, they're doing the right thing. I, of course, I'm not upset that 
a right wing extremist gets milkshakes thrown at him. That's kind of their justification with it. But we're not like when we enter into a society, I've said this at some point recently, when we enter into society, when we enter into civil discourse, we agree on a few things. It's possible we're wrong. That's a possibility. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses don't acknowledge that possibility. They think that they're right, and that means they, are, they feel justified in doing absolutely anything to, to accomplish their goals. It's called theocratic warfare. I've talked about it on my channel before. Theocratic warfare. You can lie, cheat, steal, manipulate in service of the Watchtower Society. I don't want to be like that. That is wrong. That, that's going about things the wrong way. I feel like when we start taking on the tactics and ideals of Jehovah's Witnesses, we have failed. And that is why I won't throw milkshakes at people. I won't get violent because there's a possibility that I'm wrong. No, no matter how small I feel it is, I'm not going to engage in extremist behavior to accomplish my goals. I'm going to engage in honest, rational discourse. That is the only way to do it is as far as I'm concerned. So, right. Um, and if you truly have, if you're truly in the right and you um, do have a genuine point, you should be able to express that without resorting to throwing food stuff at people. Yes, I 100% agree. Um, now I, this is actually, it's getting really complicated and you and I have touched on this a little bit before, but in just regular conversations, but mm -hmm. after this, I'll probably hit some super chats, but I think that good does not always win out. Just look at like Germany. I'm trying to use words that aren't going to get me demonetized. <laughs> just look at Germany in 1943. Uh, it was full of people who had spread really horrific, awful ideas. And, and just like the, mo the, the majority of the country believed really horrific things. Not everybody, but a lot of them believed really bad stuff. And, and that is one example of bad ideas winning in a really terrible way. So... I, I'm not going to say that rational discourse wins out every time. It doesn't necessarily. And maybe we should take some steps to make sure that the, the, the right arguments win. But I don't believe in ever using violence, ever. And I, I'm real awfully iffy about deplatforming. And um, I mean, I take free speech really seriously. It's just so complicated. It's not something that I can unfold. I, maybe I'll make a video about all this stuff at some point. I don't know. I just try to avoid politics, you know? Yeah. And this gets into a lot of like really tricky things, but I think it's important to talk about, you know, is it, does violence justify the end as long as the end is something that we want? Like, you know, I don't agree with Sargon in the least. I think that, or N Nigel Farage or any of them, I think mm -hmm. that they, are spewing some pretty abominable um, rhetoric here, but I feel like there's ways to 
confront that without resorting to going to Burger King and getting a banana milkshake and throwing it on somebody. Yeah, I then, agree. In some ways, that could actually increase the pers persecution complex that other people, that people on the far right have and make it all the more hard to be able to reach them and yeah. push them further extreme. Yeah, that's one more thing that I wanted to touch on with this subject is um, is the narrative. Uh, so when you're dealing with narratives, like Jehovah's Witnesses build narratives. They build stories about things, right? And Mormons mm -hmm. do it and all kinds of other religions do this. All extremists do this. They'll tell you a story about some bad person. So Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you how awful apostates are. Uh, they'll talk about how uh, apostates are mentally diseased. They use those words. We are mentally diseased. And every time you go into a kingdom hall and start yelling out and interrupting the meeting and screaming about child abuse and things like that every time you do that you're feeding that narrative so if you go to the ark encounter to protest and christians come out and throw eggs at you and things like that that's feeding a narrative that 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 you are be reinforcing the idea that i mean the christians are reinforcing the idea that christians are assholes that are mean and and throw things at atheists and hate atheists yeah. uh you're you know the jehovah's witnesses are reinforce you're reinforcing the idea for jehovah's witnesses that apostates are mentally diseased so every time we throw a milkshake at somebody or something like that you are reinforcing that the best way to stop that narrative is to do something counter to the narrative that is productive exactly right? stopping the um stopping the cycle of violence yes it's it's so very important anyway did you want to get more super chats did we have more come through oh yes we had a few more come through here um so awesome i didn't catch the name on here but somebody asked if you could eradicate religion would you and how uh, if I could eradicate religion, uh, quick side note, the super chats may disappear after a while. So you might want to write them down. I don't know. They yep. I have them written down. Disappear. Okay, sweet. I, anyway. I'm coming organized here. Okay. If, if I could eradicate religion, would I, if I could eradicate it through convincing people that they were wrong, then yes. Um, I feel like if I tried to like ban it or something, then it would backfire horrifically or the people wouldn't not believe for good reasons. They wouldn't stop believing it for good reasons. Like if I could just pull a cult member out of their life and just remove them from all of it and place them somewhere else, they would still believe it they would not be living that way but you have to bring them to that understanding through rational analysis or it means nothing so mm -hmm. i would say no i wouldn't ban it but if i could convince everybody in the world that they were incorrect then yes that would be desirable okay 
Um, Icy Wolf says, keep up the good work. Thanks, Icy Wolf. Appreciate that. And here's another one that I didn't quite catch the name on, but it was political violence is political violence. It's only a matter of time before milkshakes turn into bricks. Also, UKIP is a center-right um, party that believes primarily in the freedom of speech. Okay. All right. I was unclear on what UKIP was. So mm -hmm. anyway, uh, st maybe I should, I should probably look it up and read more about UKIP, actually, because I, I, you know, I still don't feel like I know enough about it. But anyway, uh, Bob, British Bob politics are always um, complicated. They are like it's so different from American politics, like our right wing and our left wing is just so very different from theirs. Anyway, um, Bob Bob said that I appreciate that, Bob Bob. Uh, that was ten dollars. Thank you um, to respond. I feel like. It's a matter of time before milkshakes turn into bricks. I feel like that. That is a slippery slope fallacy a little bit. I can see where the fear comes from. Um, but instead of going with that argument, I would, I would go with the narrative argument and the, uh, the political violence is political violence argument, like bottom line, like there is no mm -hmm. excuse for violence period in my eyes. But yeah, I mean, it, there is that concern that it could turn into something more, uh, something more dangerous than just milkshakes. Mm -hmm. I just try to keep, keep that under control, you know? Right. And I mean, there is there are people who have progressed further than milkshakes, not necessarily in this exact ar argument, but it's you're right. That's true. Um, that, like there are people who throw acid in people's faces and stuff like that, um, mm. not just in the Middle East, either. From my understanding, it's happened in the U.S. Not very often, only like a, once or twice per year or two, but it has happened before. So, right. So it it's definitely a reasonable concern that it would yeah. escalate pretty quickly, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a reasonable concern. <laughs> um, I just would rather go with other arguments. It, mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying it's illegitimate. There is some legitimacy to it. I just shoot for other ones. Right. So. Um, also, X Cult Baby wants to know what your favorite Star Trek series is. Oh. <laughs> Uh, uh, by the way, for those of you guys who are watching right now, um, X cult baby met her at faithless forum. It was pretty awesome. Actually, it was at the after party. Uh, in fact, the clip of me speaking at faithless forum on my channel, she's actually in the clip funny enough, but I think on Thursday, she can clarify in the comments on Thursday, I believe we're doing a live stream on her channel where we're doing Star Trek trivia. And so you, you guys should be there or be square and you don't want to be square. Um, but yeah, I think my favorite Star Trek series is either the next generation or Voyager. I really, you know, it's, it's the next generation for sure. Voyager was honestly good. People complain to me about liking Voyager, like how I like Voyager. They're like, that's stupid. But I loved Voyager. It had such great plot points. Um, I don't know. In many ways, I feel like 
Deep Space Nine was very like it had very spiritual religious undertones. And I know they were talking about how, you know, society had moved past it and all that other stuff and their justifications for all that. But I I just really like Voyager better and I just really didn't like Deep Space Nine that much. I watched the whole series. Um just did not like it much. So I'd say Next Generation in this order, Voyager, uh, and then Deep Space Nine. And that's all, actually all I've watched. I've never seen the original series, never seen Enterprise. And I understand there's a new one. I haven't seen that one either. Uh, anyway, do you have another one for me? No more Super Chats, but we do have a couple um, just questions that popped up. Okay. Um, so this is from earlier. Um, what's your opinion on ancient Egyptian beliefs? I don't know a whole lot about ancient Egyptian beliefs. Um, in a second, I'm going to get to another article here. But okay. ancient Egyptian beliefs, I don't know a whole lot about them. I know that I had a patron for a while there who, uh, by the way, do you know who asked that? I bet it may have been the patron. Um, I didn't see who asked that. That was a while back. Um, I'm just trying to get hmm. questions in as I see them. Okay, it that works. It's a well, lot to see the names if it's a super chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Uh, ancient religious beliefs. I'm sorry, ancient Egyptian beliefs. I don't know a whole lot about ancient Egyptian beliefs. Uh, I had a patron named Nora who was a uh, pagan, and she worshipped the Egyptian gods, I believe. Um, she talked to me a little bit about them at the time. It was pretty interesting stuff. I, I don't really know how anybody believes any of that stuff anymore. Um, there's a YouTuber named Ocean. He was Ocean Keltoy. He was at Faithless Forum. Pretty cool guy. And he he's a pagan. But it's really fascinating to listen to him debate theists. Uh, he was debating... He debates theists all the time, even though... Like Christians, basically. He debates Christians. Even though he's a theist, he's he's pagan. But the the contrast between... Lower this microphone. The contrast between a pagan and a Christian is really fascinating to see from an atheist's perspective. So if you guys want to take a look at it, you can check out Ocean on YouTube. Uh, maybe he's got some debates out there. By the way, I just saw another super chat pop up a second ago. I figure I'll just read it real fast. It's Kyle Bell, $5.00. Born into Jehovah's Witnesses, stopped at 16. I'm 32 now. When you talked about how it affected interactions with others, it really hit close to home. Love your work. I appreciate that. Yeah, it does affect interactions like heavily. It's really, really bad. But I'm glad that you're out. Um, I'm glad that you, you, you got your whole life ahead of you still. Like I think James Randi came out or was outed as gay at like 70 something years old. He lived his whole life in the closet instead of being who he is. That's that's heartbreaking, you know? It's heartbreaking to see anybody who can't live their true selves for whatever reason. Whether who they are, yeah. Yeah, religious or political or what have you. It's, it's heartbreaking. Um, it is, it's sad, it's sad as shit. But you know what? Dude is 70 something and he's living it up with his boyfriend now. So who gives a shit now? He's he's <laughs> doing what he wants, doesn't have to worry about it. So anyway, all right, let me move on to another article here. Let me oh, screen. We have one more super chat that came through. Oh, we do. Okay. Yes. 
Um, how do you handle the topic of religion when it's brought up by people you respect, like coworkers or friends, you know, short of lying about your atheism? And that's that is question. from Jeff. Okay. Um, that's a good question. And actually, it was asked of me at Faithless Forum, too, on one of the panels. Basically, if it's somebody who I, if it's just some rando on the street who I really don't know or care about that much, I'll just tell them I'm an atheist. Um, if it's somebody who is close to me, who I don't want to hate me for one reason or another, I will, I'll tell them that, and, and I have to tell them what my line of work is. I mean, everybody asks, what do you do for work or whatever? So what I'll do is I will tell them that I was born a Jehovah's Witness and instantly people kind of realize, oh, that's an extreme religion. So I'll har I, I, will, I will link to that. I'll say I was born Jehovah's Witness. It was a really extreme religion. And they talked about how evil churches were and stuff, other churches. So I just left the religion and now I just kind of go to a regular old Methodist church. And I do basically for holidays go to a Methodist church because the one that I go to is super chill. They don't care about anything. They don't hate anybody for anything. So um, and I go with family. So that's what I'll tell them usually. And they ask about work, which they almost always do. I will tell them. Um, I talk about destructive cults. I talk about destructive religions that hurt people and destroy people's lives. Um, but I won't, I'll tell them that after telling them I go to a Methodist church so that they don't think that I'm completely anti-religion, uh, even though I am kind of anti-religion. But anyway, okay. Let me share my screen here. Hold on to the super chats for now. We will get them in a minute. Uh... Yeah. Okay. Give me a second. So I talked about this on my podcast at one point. Uh, give me a second here. Sorry. I'm just checking some things. Okay. So I talked about this on my podcast a little while back. Scientology cruise ship free winds. Uh, passengers cleared of measles risk, the church says. I found this really fascinating. Okay. So Here's the thing about Scientology. You know what? Let me just read part of this article first, and then I'll tell you about it. It says, All of the passengers and crew of a cruise ship owned and operated by the Church of Scientology have been cleared from the risk of spreading or contracting measles after a female staffer on board was isolated with the highly contagious disease, Scientology officials said Tuesday. The ship named the Free Winds was originally quarantined, I'm sorry, was originally quarantined in St. Lucia late last month before it set sail for its home port of Curacao, or Curacao with about 300 people on board. Those aboard the ship who'd been vaccinated or had the measles before were free to leave the 440-foot um, vessel, health officials said May 4th. Everyone, everyone else would be vaccinated while on board. A doctor aboard the ship had, had ordered about 100 doses of the measles vaccine before leaving St. Lucia. The Church of Scientology statement said all passengers and crew, 100% of the free winds, have been fully cleared of any possible risk 
of being infected by the measles or infecting others. Freewind's protocols of safety and medical care that exceed usual nautical standards proved highly effective in containing the illness to one single case. Fascinating. The church said in a statement dated May 5th that the woman who'd been isolated per ship protocol in a single patient medical room with a a special controlled air ventilation system was symptom-free. Measles caused fever, I'm sorry, measles causes fever, cough, runny nose, red eyes, and rashes. While most people recover, complications can cause brain swelling and death. More than 700 people in the U.S. have been sickened by this disease this year, the highest number of reported cases in a year since 1994. Officials say the sudden spike is due to misinformation about vaccines. All right, so let me tell you why this is so rich, so ironic, if you will. It's because when you become a Scientologist, it costs a lot of money. You have to go through auditing sessions and uh, like classes and all kinds of other stuff. It takes a lot of time and work and money. It takes about three years, two to three years from my understanding, and about $100,000 to get to the level of clear. And clear is reasonably high up on the bridge. That's what they call it, the bridge. Um, It's the ranking system, basically. So once you reach clear, supposedly, according to the books and the lore and, and everything, you are supposed to be completely illness free. You're supposed to be in complete control of everything, including physical objects around you. You're supposed to be able to move things with your mind and and things like that. And here we have a ship made up of entirely Scientologists. I'm assuming it's part of the Sea Org, which is like their compound. It's their little extremist branch. These people are the most spiritual of the most spiritual. And they got sick with measles they just weren't pure enough Uh, that is the richest thing to me (laughs) It, it 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 really kills me um so anyways i just found it really fascinating that these people were i mean from my understanding scientology was trying to keep it quiet they were trying to cover it up um at first i guess there's really no covering it up because it was just blasted across every news site from here to texas uh, which is a good thing. I'm glad that it got out. Uh, Tony Ortega is a famous reporter uh, who reports on harmful religions and their goings on. He's on Twitter. He's kind of an interesting guy. I don't know him personally, but I've seen some of his reporting. He reported on it. He also rep- he's done a lot of investigative journalism on Scientology and on Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormonism. He does all kinds. So it's kind of an interesting guy. Anyway, what do you think of that? I think that it is insane that, or it's bananas. Um, that, no, no, I'm okay with that. One. <laughs> Go on. Um, it, 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 I don't think that anybody should be trying to encourage somebody to forego vaccines in any situation. Um, the herd immunity is incredibly important, as you saw here. I would imagine yeah. that there were probably some people on there who were vaccinated, but when 
there's so many people who are getting the disease, the chances of it mutating are relatively high. And so even if you do get vaccinated, um, if you catch the mutated strain, the vaccination won't work. That's why it's incredibly important to stay on top of that. And yes. the whole idea that you can pay a certain amount of money and all of a sudden you are free from any kind of disease. That's really dangerous thinking for me because that yeah. um, will apply to any kind of disease. Like, Oh, you pay us, you know, $300,000 to reach the clear level and you, you don't have cancer anymore. You don't have yeah. any other diseases. And so it's just encouraging people to not get the treatment they need, not get the preventative treatments that they need and instead rely on their religion in order to sustain them. And it's a very dangerous mindset to get into. It is. I agree. And I, like I said, I was never a Scientologist, so I really only understand their lore and beliefs and ideals um, from the outside. But from what I understand, L. Ron Hubbard, the founder, he was the one who made all those claims about um, once you become clear, you won't ever get sick again. Um, but I, I think that after he died and after so many Scientologists who, who were clear got the cold or the mm -hmm. flu, I think that they realize now and they're just pretending that they're just holding on to that lore and just pretending that it's true, even though they realize that it's not. So I don't know. It, it's like with Jehovah's Witnesses, there are all kinds of different things that they believe but don't actually live their lives by. For example, the founder, Charles Taze Russell, said for like back in the early 1900s, he said, Jehovah will provide money for the organization. If Jehovah stops providing money for the organization, then the organization has lost its, uh, its, his favor. Mm -hmm. And here we are, years later, the Watchtower Society is hemorrhaging money losing money like nothing and begging for it on air just on their their tv show begging people for money telling us we should be giving this and that and just doing everything they can to sell off properties and build new ones and sell those off and just whatever it takes to get more money right uh you know th they still hold everything that charles taze russell said to be true but they're still asking for money. It's it's this dissonance, you know, cognitive dissonance. So, and it, it's very interesting to see how dissonance presents itself um, in any given religion. Like, it um, it, like when you get into free will, for example, people, you know, having the dissonance between, oh, you know, we are preset, you know, based on our personalities and all this to be more prone to taking certain actions, but we really do have free will, so we could honestly do anything possible, and it's yeah. all of the grabs. Yep. Okay. I'll tell you what. Do we have more super chats? There's one more article I wanted to get to, but I'll get to it in a second. Do we have more? We do. Um, actually, before I lose it, um, one just came in from Moody and Bloom. Um, they said, got out of the Seventh-day Adventist church when I was 16, 22 now, struggled with coping with my lack of faith for years, and your videos helped me a lot. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. I I. I feel like in a lot of ways, I didn't really, I'm just putting this stuff out there. You are the one, I, Jimmy said this the other night on stream, I was talking to Mr. Atheist. He was saying, you guys are the ones who are really taking the steps forward. Like 
you wouldn't have watched my videos if you hadn't been open enough in the first place. If you hadn't gotten to a point in your life where you were willing to hear the the message. Um, so you really did all of the work. Like I did basically nothing in this journey, but just put something in front of you. So I'm glad that I was able to help in whatever small way that happens to be. It, it makes me pretty happy to hear that. Um, and then we have one more from this comment says, and that's actually, um, I looked back through it and that's actually the person whose name I didn't know from the past oh, super chat. So this okay. is their second one. Um, Thank you. This comment, awesome. <laughs> this comment says, if freedom is simply being able to do what you want, are animals freer than humans? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, there's a lot of morality behind you know, animal rights and human rights and things like that. And that is most definitely Rose's forte. Uh, that's what she's super interested in. Um, I, I think that this is just speculation. I would say that freedom is a little bit of an amorphous term and I'd want to see a definition for it. But I think that freedom as I understand it, is probably different for animals than it is for humans. Um, and there's even some arguments going around um, as to whether or not animals truly have freedom because a lot of them don't have the ability to critically think about actions. So it, a lot of their behaviors are based purely on instinct. And so is that really freedom if everything you're doing is based off of what you are instinctually uh, predispositioned to do. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. On the other hand, oh my God, here we go. Uh, humans are also basically just big machines. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Sam Harris and what he has to say about free will. Uh, FYI, I know a lot of people have a problem with Sam Harris. I think he's got some really bad ideas, honestly. I think he's got some bad ideas, but I think he's got some good ideas too. And part of working with people with whom I disagree and having civil discourse with people through all, all of this stuff is accepting the good that somebody has to offer, even if they have bad to offer too. So Sam Harris, that being said, Sam Harris has an interesting take on free will. And he talks about how really we're just a culmination of a bunch of variables that have built up in our brains. Like if you rewound the clock, could you do something different? And his consensus or his, his opinion, I guess, not even really an opinion. This is just scientific fact now is no, you, you can't. Because your brain was in a certain specific state uh, at that time. You, your experiences were the result, or your experiences built up to result in one specific type of um, state in your brain. Here we are now, and the choices that you made can't be different because you are who you are, your experiences are what they are. It's, it's, it's determined already. 
not by the universe, but by your brain. It's just what it is. You, there's no extra part of your body that's special or unique. Or if you took you atom for atom and put it into somebody else's body or somebody else became you, there wouldn't be that extra thing, that extra soul that existed outside of your body. You would be them. Right. So you would you would make the same decisions they did, you know? And that's when you're getting into um, the philosophy of identity and things like that. It, yeah. There's a whole rabbit hole that just interconnects here and it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's like, really fascinating. Hmm? Um, we did have one more super chat that came through okay. from Sarah Gardner. Um, and hers is actually really interesting too. Um, do you believe in life after death? If not, how do you cope with that? Um, it's been bugging me recently trying to imagine non-existence. <laughs> um, oh, yes, a lot of people who are far smarter than I am have talked about this. Um, I just noticed that after I talked about Sam Harris, a bunch of people left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, anyway, all right, here's the thing about it. A lot of people who are smarter than me have addressed this before. So let me just, I don't know who said this, but this isn't originally my thing. Um, you can't imagine what it was like before you were born, and you can't remember what it was like, or you can't imagine what it's like after you're dead either. But you don't fear thinking about things that happened before you were born. You don't fear thinking about not being born yet. So why should you fear not being alive anymore? Now, that being said, I know that fear. And I don't know how to deal with it either. I don't believe that there's something after uh, we die, unfortunately. I would like to, but I don't think it's there. Um, I just don't think about it. I think about it as little as I can, honestly. What about you? Honestly, um there's one thing that I always remind myself is that um, when it comes to death and the whole non-existence, it's that our, we don't truly die. Not uh, Our influence is still there in the people that we've interacted with, um, you know, our children or our family or um, even just the random YouTube conversations that we've had. So ultimately, there's a part of us that lives on and it's partly some of the more important parts of you, which is your ideas and um, how you lived your life and who you influenced. So even if you're not there anymore, a part of you does still live on. And I take comfort in that personally. Um, and I try to do, I try to enact good in the world because that's what's going to live on after I'm gone. Yeah. I, I can definitely get on board with that. That's, an interesting way of looking at it. It's disconcerting because we're here and one day we won't be. And that does bother me and pretty much everybody else. But mm -hmm. what can you do, you know? Right. Uh, anyway, um, there was one more article I wanted to get to before we, we close down. So if you guys have any more super chats to get in, any more questions or anything, then ask them. Actually, I saw somebody ask a minute ago, why did I pick Lincoln, Nebraska for the meetup? Because she lives there and I'm going to visit her uh, on June 30th. And since I'll be there, I'm like, why not? I'll just go visit a bunch of fans. 
Um, I'm charging $20 for it. And the reason is because it, it's supposed to pay for food and the shelter that we ordered and things like that. So I'm not like not trying to profit off of this or anything. I'm trying to pay for the supplies and stuff. So if you guys want to come to Lincoln, Nebraska to see me, uh, that'd be pretty cool. It's going to be, yeah, it'll be June 30th, uh, like 5 p.m. or something. We're going to be like grilling and stuff and just hanging out together. I'm seeing if maybe I can get some other YouTubers to come, but I don't want to drop any names. I'm anti-name dropping, so we'll <laughs> see. Time will tell. Anyway, did want to get to this one more article, but I'm going to I'm going to go through it quickly because it's kind of an interesting article, um, but I really don't have the expertise to speak on it, honestly. It's apparently the World Health Organization released something called uh, it was a, a study. The title of this article about it is video game addiction is a mental health disorder. World Health Organization says and people wanted to know what my opinion was on that. Do I think that that's a legitimate thing or is that BS? And they asked me from a psychological perspective. I want to preface this by saying I, I am not a psychologist. I did go to school and took psychology classes. I cannot call myself a, a psychologist. Bear that in mind. Um, I have a pretty good grip on the field and the foundations and the major figures and the philosophies and things like that. But I wouldn't call myself a uh, psychologist. Anyway, so this article is basically saying that the World Health Organization was declared uh, declared video game um, addiction an actual disorder. It says many parents already have concerns, but some may now have a new argument for limiting their children's screen time. Addiction to video games has been recognized by the, the WHO as a mental health disorder. Uh, the WHO's International Classification of Diseases, ICD, a reference Bible of recognized and diagnosable diseases, describes addiction to digital and video gaming as a pattern of persistent or recurrent gaming behavior that becomes so extensive that it takes precedence over other life interests. Yes, I think this is legitimate. I think it is real. Yes, I know people like this who exhibit the signs of addiction just like a drug addict would. Uh, and bear in mind, I went to school for substance abuse counseling. I was addicted to drugs for a while, and that's what got me into the field. I know what addictive behavior looks like, and I have seen people like that toward games. And I think that part of the reason why people get like that with games is because games are designed to be like that. They want people to increase their playtime. That is the intent behind the, um, the game development firms. That's what they're trying to do is get people addicted. So yeah, it is legitimate, I believe. And we have an official declaration here by an official organization that's pretty well respected. Although I don't know what the ICD is. I always go with the, DS the DSM-5 for disease classification, but this may, that's actually mostly for mental diseases. Maybe the ICD is something different. So I would have to take a look at it. Anyway, that's, that's my opinion on it. Um, what do you think about it? 
I, I'm pretty much with you. I've seen people who have been addicted to video games and it's actually affected my family. And so I'm glad that it's finally being recognized as a disease because in, yeah. in a lot of ways, it's just as bad as any other kind of addiction, like alcoholism or yeah. drug addiction. It's not easy to watch somebody go through that. And hopefully now with it actually being classified as a disease, people will actually be able to get help and not just get laughed at for saying, oh, you're addicted to video games. Ha ha. Wish I had that. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, it's not healthy. It's not good. And I'm also glad that it's being recognized. So anyway, uh, did we have any more super chats or any questions? I'll, I'll go about two more minutes if we mm -hmm. have any more. We didn't have any more super chats, but okay. we do have um, a couple more questions. Um, well, there was one question, which was, where do both of us fall on the political spectrum? Do you want to so, go? Sure. Um, I Oh, um, we have another super chat come in. I will get you right after this. Okay. Um, it, oh. I, my... I consider myself a, pro a progressive, a democratic socialist. Um, that is where I fall. Um, so I'm on the left, I guess. Bernie Sanders-esque, huh? Go Bernie. Yes, I, yeah. I'm i feeling the burn. And I am a hard Republican. No, I'm just kidding. I'm also <laughs> a Bernie supporter. We're both Bernie supporters. Uh, or we were in 2016. Uh, oh, I, I, I think I am too. Are you? Oh, oh yeah. Like there's been some yeah, other interesting okay. people who've come in, but yeah, I'm, I, I had Bernie 2020 bumper stickers. So. Right. Same. So I got it from you actually, I think. So yeah. anyway. <laughs> that, that's yeah. all part of uh, enacting the good. I, right. I bumper stickers. Exactly. Actually, my brother so. gave them to me and I gave them to you from there, but. It counts. Okay. <laughs> it counts. But anyway, yeah, we're both Bernie supporters. That's where we sit on the political spectrum. Um, I see the super chat here too. What is your opinion on transgender individuals? I was actually expecting more questions about this than I got. Um, so I will just answer this question as plainly as it was asked. I support the trans community 100%. I always have. Uh, and I always will. I believe in equal rights for everybody. And I... I think that it's disgusting that people are trying to hurt or take rights away from anybody, especially trans people. That's really devastating to me. And I'm glad that we have people out there like Mr. Atheist, for example, Jimmy. Glad we have people like him out there talking about the issues like that. It does. It's very it's tangential to my content. I don't really get into politics at all. I, I really just stick to cults and oppressive religions. But I am glad Jimmy's out there doing it. And I wish that maybe I'll talk about it on my podcast more. I talk about it on my podcast pretty often. So anyway. We had another super chat come in. Um, this is from Mistress Crimson 98. Hope to see you in Lincoln. P.S. We have the best beef. So I've heard. Yes, <laughs> I, I've heard a lot about Lincoln beef. Interesting. Yeah, that's <laughs> going to be awesome. I can't wait to see you there too. Um, by the way, um, Mistress Crimson, I since you are apparently from Nebraska, um, I have an interesting anecdote for you. Um, last year, I actually lived in Spain. And I, at one point, I was um, visiting Segovia. And 
there was an advertisement um, for Nebraska beef hot dogs. It specifically said Nebraska beef. So I in a foreign we, country. In a foreign country. So we we are representing us in Europe. Go Huskers. We're represented in Europe. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Go Huskers. There you go. So anyway, all right. I guess that's it. I appreciate you guys coming. Oh, Was there anything else question. you wanted to say? Yeah. One more okay. question. Are okay. you a furry? No, but I, I do have one more quick uh, thing I wanted to mention about that. I've been talking to Matt Dillahunty lately, and he makes an awful lot of jokes about me being a furry. Uh, in fact, the other night he's talking about the ACA on his uh, atheist experience appearance, and he said the word kerfluffle. Instead of kerfuffle, he said kerfluffle. So everybody on Twitter is now asking, is Matt a furry? He said fluff. It was kind of funny, but anyway. No, I'm not a furry. I'm not. So but are we good? I, I think so. That was the last question that um, we, we had on the list here. All right. Oh, I appreciate you guys coming. It was awesome. Thank you for coming, Rose. Uh, and maybe we'll do this again sometime. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I had fun once I once I got over the whole stage fright of 215 currently watching me. Yeah, I actually have stage fright too, but not not so bad anymore. Anyway, all right, talk to you guys next time.